The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Grade Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined today by Patrick Corain, and we are here upon the sad news that uh, Cam Akers has torn his Achilles. Not a good injury to get um, if you're running back, a very bad injury to get if you're running back. And, you know, a lot of people were immediately checking their best ball shares. In fact, uh, underdog like was seized up and not working for a while. I'm not sure it's working now. Yeah, because so, well, originally I was like, can it not work? Is it not working? Because everyone's trying to see how much Daryl Henderson they have. I think probably they're dealing with like an Amazon web service or something else. But then I started going through my dynasty teams to see how much acres I have, how much Daryl Henderson I have, things like that. And then I kind of got thinking, is Cam Akers like dust for dynasty? Like what, what, if you wanted to trade Cam Akers right now, I guarantee no one gives you a first. No one's giving you a first for him right now. It's tough for Cam Akers because this injury saps explosion generally we weren't a hundred percent sure he was going to hit this. You know what I mean? Like we were already projecting a little bit of our hopes and dreams onto this guy. And then Henderson has a chance to finally show his explosion in a bigger role. And Cam Akers might not ever get the chance to come back and be a workhorse running back. Even if he was like, we don't even know that he was going to be that in the first place, but he will probably not get the opportunity to head into a season with the assumption that he's a workhorse again, unless, unless he just comes back from this injury, smashes, takes the job back. But in dynasty, I generally don't want to be a position where a player has to kind of prove it for me to not eat a huge value loss. So this is a bit of a tricky situation. I think if people are saying like, I'll give cam Akers away for two seconds or something, then I'm actually a buyer because uh he does he does have i mean the achilles injury is not like career ending Uh, i i don't know i it kind of is i get let me go let me go let me go dig up this tweet will you keep rhapsodizing because someone uh and i i want to credit them so i don't so i don't do it uncredited but someone did the analysis of all the running backs over the last decade who have gotten Achilles injuries. And it's, it's by and large, it's a bunch of guys who were, are not really in the NFL anymore. Yeah. But like Demarius Thomas uh, tours Achilles after that's his true. Like there's okay. been guys who have come I, back and made full recoveries. Okay. So uh, at Kyle FF at Kyle underscore FF recon has all these Achilles injuries. Uh, so Donta Foreman uh, touches in comeback year 23 
Mikel LaShore never came back. Uh, Isaiah Crowell never came back. Brandon Oliver, 41 carries the year after. Arian Foster was done. Beanie Wells Arian was Foster done. Arian Foster was already done. These guys, I know, but these guys are already like, Mikel LaShore was already kind of on his way out. Like, these, Donta Foreman wasn't though. We were we were excited about Donta Foreman. We were excited about he, Ryan Williams. Fourth or fifth round pick. He, yeah, he never guaranteed anything. It's it's this would be similar to like had Barkley done his not exactly but similar to had Barkley done his Achilles instead of his ACL. Kind of. Kind kind of. It's in between. I think that's why it's so tricky. It's in between. Right. Yeah. So I, I was talking to Drew Dinkmeyer earlier about this because, you know, famously we're in this auction league and I have this team that's dust. Right. And so I was like, well, I should probably try and I should just be trying to trade for all the injured guys this off season. Cause I want to get the number one pick. I, so I should acquire whoever gets injured in training camp. I should try and acquire them. And then Drew made the point to me, okay, well, CMC didn't really dip in the off season with injury stuff. Even Cortland Sutton, uh, who did a knee injury as a wide receiver didn't really dip in terms of startup ADP Barkley maybe dipped like two spots in ADP but to your point it's not the same because we basically saw Akers be the guy for four games that was it mm-hmm. I mean people people I, I actually think up until today people don't remember that Daryl Henderson had 750 yards and six touchdowns last season like he was he was a legitimate part of their offense um even when acres like even at the end of the season henderson was still playing in those games where acres was going nuts right right that's the thing with with acres i mean i was really struggling with him prior to the injury about you know how much exposure to get because he did profile as someone who because we like the offense and because he did start to catch passes a bit more down the stretch like maybe he could be one of these true uber backs you know the true stud backs that we need um but on the other hand daryl henderson is very good and like i don't i don't love that he was in a in a backfield sharing it with a guy who might be more explosive and uh can also be used in the receiving game so that made it a little bit tough uh and now as we look forward in dynasty like like i said i mean henderson's gonna get a chance to show what he can do you kind of need – it's like a parlay now where you need Henderson not to show very well. You need Akers to make a full recovery from the Achilles. You need him to be trusted enough coming off of a major injury to get used like a workhorse. You know, and then you need the market to kind of buy back in to, okay, this guy is, is a young stud running back once again. It's like a pretty – it's pretty difficult. It's like – it's a tough – it's a, definitely a tough spot to be in. On the other hand – uh, I kind of feel like this might be the cheapest Cam Akers is for a while. Oh, the, the, to this next month will be the cheapest he ever will be if if he well if Henderson doesn't explode. Which I I after today after reading Twitter, it's very clear I am higher than the market on Daryl Henderson. Um, like I was talking with JJ and he said he projected Henderson for an eight percent target share. That felt very low to me. That feels low. That felt that felt very low. I think I I had him projected for sixty percent of the carries, twelve per or eleven or twelve percent of the targets, but like being very efficient because I expect him to be an efficient player and I expect the Rams offense to be fairly efficient. So I I immediately have him as like a second round pick basically. Um, and I actually I was I was on the clock at the three point five. So that's like what the 29th pick I think. 
uh, in this uh, drafters best ball championship, um, like invitational draft. And I, I took Henderson at the 3.5. Is that something where you're going to be competing against other teams that have Henderson in the 11th round or whatever? No, no, it's, it's just a, it's just a self-contained though to that point, like for best ball mania, I am not, I've never been one of these people that gets really worried when ADP shifts like that. Do you remember? So back in 2019, it was on draft and that, Oh, well you can't, you can't play in best ball mania anymore because Tyree kill people were getting him in the 13th round. You can't play in best ball mania anymore because people were getting Duke Johnson in the 15th round. And then there are some teams that have both of them. And then neither of them ended up being on the winning team uh, at the end, which is, Honestly, it's a little bit of a format that I hope maybe underdog thinks about in the future. Like maybe they run one cumulative, like weeks one through 17 cumulative points, and then one with the playoff format. But I, the more I've been thinking about the playoff format, the more I like, don't love it. Well, to the point of that, you know, neither guy being on the winning team. I mean that I'm not saying don't draft any more best ball mania teams, but drafting Daryl Henderson specifically in like the second or third round in best ball mania does seem like you're, you're going to be dusted if they go off because, or if he goes off because someone's got, you know, fine for probably has 20 shares of him in, in the right. round 11. Right. And, and those are smart teams. Those are well-structured teams. So I, it's going to be tough to beat him. If he goes off, you almost need to just completely fade him. I think. I, so I, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't think that like, I, I think that Henderson has some equity to be the guy you need, right? Like this is something that you guys have been talking a lot about on ship chasing, but like, there are some guys that you just needed that guy, like Alvin Kamara's six touchdown game digs for digs for like main event purposes, like, like manage leagues, like digs was, you know, kind of the most valuable pick last season. And I don't want to say it's high, like, I don't know, three, 5% or something that Henderson is the guy you need, but he was this insane prospect who averaged like nine yards a carry on like crazy volume at Memphis. And he did well at the combine. He sucked as a rookie. Like, like, I think he, I don't remember. Did he get hurt as a rookie? But I, I just know he didn't play really. Yeah. He didn't really play. Yeah. But I, I, and I, I actually went back and like watched a little bit of him this morning looks pretty solid as a pass catcher. The weird thing is, is they didn't trust him on passing downs, but it's very hard for me to imagine a scenario where Sean McVay is like, all right, we don't really, we, you know, we used Malcolm Brown on passing downs last year. The guy we're using this year, Xavier Jones, we're just going <laughs> to give Xavier Jones all the passing down work. I mean, they're going to sign somebody, Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, trade for Melvin Gordon, trade for David Johnson, Duke Johnson, like I, I think they'll bring someone in and those guys would worry me to various degrees. Actually, in a weird way, Melvin Gordon would maybe worry me the most because if coaches just love to give that guy the ball, like he yeah, just does true. nothing, but coaches just give him the ball. But then again, uh, Peter Schrager reported that he doesn't expect the Rams to go out and sign a veteran anytime soon, which was interesting. Well, like, you know, with the Texans, they're probably cutting one of – you know, Mark Ingram or Philip Lindsay, I could, if you're the Rams, why not just hope it's Philip Lindsay and sign him? You know, like there's, they're going to be guys who become available are probably better than the guys currently available. I guess maybe with the exception of Duke Johnson, who I still think can kind of play, but um, the NFL does not appear to agree with that. So there's just, there's not a lot of options. Like 
Todd Gurley might be their best option right now, just because he's so familiar with the offense, you know, veteran leadership or whatever, like he can still catch. So I, I, I'm not that worried about a veteran sign, even if they said we're very interested in signing someone, I, I don't think that really hurts Henderson that much. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that it, it probably limits his ceiling in terms of like being the guy. Cause if they, if they go into the season with their depth chart as Daryl Henderson, Xavier Jones, Jake Funk, and Raymond Calais. I feel like his touch ceiling is very, very high, and his touch yeah. floor also is very, very high. Like you, you could be talking about, you know, maybe Xavier Jones gets some of that gross, you know, between the twenties work, but Daryl Henderson should almost have like a monopoly on the high value touches. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, but I mean, I don't know. I, I just have a hard time seeing like Le'Veon Bell getting goal line work or something. I guess he fun. did it though. Le'Veon Bell came in for a team that ended up winning the Super Bowl and, and was getting touches for a team that won the Super Bowl or lost they, in the Super Bowl. It was Super last Bowl. year. It was last year. Davis, I, was thinking, Davis, I have some bad news. 2019, 2019, <laughs> it was LaShawn McCoy. I'm getting my dusty old veterans mixed up. It was LaShawn McCoy who came in and was getting touches for the team that That's won the right. Super Bowl. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I'm not too worried. I, it, if that's who they bring in, I think that's probably the best case scenario for Henderson because they're they're going to bring in somebody you would imagine. They can't. Wor- worst case scenario do. is them bringing in someone with any juice at all. Like worst case scenario is them bringing like actually trading for someone like a fifth round pick for Justice Hill or something like that would be bad. Darwin Thompson. Darwin Thompson. Yeah. What what is John Kelly up to? Because he was on their practice squad for a long time. Is he on a roster? That's a good question. I bet I they might know. I bet they might call him. Oh, he's on the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, what about I mean, what if they trade for Kareem Hunt? That would be <laughs> that would be an extremely Rams move. An extremely Rams move would be to overreact to a running back injury and spend like a second round pick again for the third straight year to acquire running back capital. I have a more Rams move. Acquire contract year Nick Chubb. Oh and no! Then extend him. <laughs> extend him. <laughs> Sight unseen. Bring him in. Don't give him a single snap. Extend him. That's, oh, that's that movie. that would be is Les Snead even still their GM? That would be that. I think that would be the most Les Snead move possible. Yeah, he's still the GM. McVeigh and and McVeigh and Snead are like already doing it. They're like already high fiving. They're twenty twenty seven first round pick shipped off to the Browns. They're high fiving. Oh, that yeah, that's <laughs> miserable. So back to the original question, because I so in this dynasty league, this auction league, I have Clyde Edwards Hilaire. My team sucks. And I believe I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire will appreciate after this season, but obviously if I can move in for a good pick return, I'd like to do it. So I offered CEH for Cam Akers, basically treating Akers as like a nothing, like a second round pick and and two first, which uh, has not been responded to yet. I imagine it will be countered with one first, Akers and one first back for CEH, which I, I don't know if I want to do that. Like I I think there is certainly some chance that Akers is like a zero in dynasty and that he never is starting for me. Yeah, that's, that's a real possibility. That's a real possibility now. Um, I guess it, to me, it would sort of depend on where you think that first will fall because these super flex firsts are, are pretty valuable. It's a good team. It's J, it's JJ's team in the auction league, which is very good. Yeah. 
then I don't know. I think I'd probably rather have CEH than a late first and acres acres, but it's, yeah. it's pretty close. I think that's, that feels like something you could work around and get, get it done from there. I don't think, I mean, I would not, if I was the, if I was JJ, I am not sending two first plus acres for CEH. Right. Yeah, I just there there is some deal to be done there. It might not work out because he doesn't have like extra seconds and stuff to give away. Just because this league is insane, like you and I own like forty yeah. percent. We of the own picks. all the seconds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so which is which is interesting. Um, so for for main event stuff, I mean Daryl Henderson just because of like the 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 power of inertia. Daryl Henderson, I don't think will go any higher than the third round in high stakes stuff. Like if you, if uh, Cam Akers had torn his Achilles in week 17 last year, and we were coming into this season with just full knowledge that Henderson was going to be the starter and that they didn't bring in anyone, I could see his ADP going very high, um, especially considering how small the sample of Akers being productive was. Where do you think Henderson settles, and and do you view him as a running back that that actually you can draft in the dead zone because of his receiving upside? Yeah, so where he settles is tricky because in some ways you're like, okay, well, what's the difference really between him and Najee Harris? You're sort of betting on this guy's talent. You're he's a clear lead back in an offense. I, I like the Rams' offense a lot more. I'm probably trading some touches, but I'm might get similar amount of receptions uh, to your point about the target share. So it's like it, by that logic, he's, he's kind of a mid to late second type of guy. But then on the other hand, you know, would you rather have Deandre Swift where we feel a lot more confident about. See, about I think that's talent? easy. I think I would much rather have Henderson than Swift. Okay. And then the, the comp that I thought was interesting. I was just on a podcast uh, with Jack Miller and he brought up um Chase Edmonds is kind of a similar situation in a sense, probably post veteran signing. You assume they're going to, they're going to sign someone. It just, it's very dependent on who that veteran is at this point. But with Edmonds, it's like, we don't actually know if this guy's really that good. He's certainly flashed, but we're not that confident in his talent level where it's a little bit, um, you know, of wish casting, you know, that he's going to be this like, I mean, Chase, it all. Chase Edmonds played at Fordham University in college and was like fine at Fordham. I I actually have his his Fordham stats pulled up. He had 577 rushing yards in 7 games his final season and he had 11 receptions for 129 yards. Like that was like two games for Daryl Henderson at Memphis. Like I'm not even exaggerating. Daryl Henderson was like unbelievable at Memphis. That's a good point. That's a good point. Okay. So but there is something unproven about Henderson that is sure. a little reminiscent of, of Edmonds. He called him Edmonds on steroids, not to uh, Jack wasn't. No, I, I get the comp. It's like, it's like an offense where you're not even buying in so much on the talent. You're buying in on the, the potential role. We think yes. they're going to score a lot of points. I, I think that Henderson is bet. I mean, Henderson is like a big, like, you know, he's 210 pounds. Like he, he's a big dude. I don't know. Like I, I, I am just, I think, what is happening is it looks like I just am much higher than the market. Like I am excited to draft Daryl Henderson and it, well, I don't know if people will be. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, so you basically would have him. I mean, you would have him after CEH, I assume. 
Yeah, I would prefer, I, but I, I am higher than the market on CEH too. Like I'm routinely taking CEH ahead of the market. I mean, he's my highest owned player on underdog. So like I'm, I'm taking him ahead of the market. Uh, let me, I, I have not doctored. I've not done anything to my projections to try and do like a sanity check. So I, I, I have, I have him very high. I, I need to scale him back. Um, what do you have? I have him in PPR as RB8. No, not RB8 by a ton. I have him RB8 within six total points of the RB13. So it's not like it's not yeah, like yeah. super extreme because I I flatten running back projections more than most people do. Like I have uh, between 175 and 200 points. I have 15 guys. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so yeah, I mean, you you kind of have him as a late second rounder. Then um, I don't know. I struggle a little bit with Henderson at that type of price, or even if he's more in the, like the mid third, just because the opportunity cost of wide receiver there is so high, right? Um, that like in in some ways Henderson is more interesting than Acres because Henderson will be cheaper, like at least slightly cheaper, and doesn't have to deal with Henderson. You know, it's just the fact that there's now one less guy. That's what's, that's, what's crazy is acres was going to have to deal with Henderson regardless of, you know, whatever was going on, but now Henderson doesn't have to deal with acres. Like um, Gretch has made this point a lot of times on ship chasing and it's so smart. And I don't like, I feel like no one recognizes it enough, but ADP risers actually don't end up rising enough because of the power of inertia. The the example Gretch always gives is Arian Foster, the year where it became clear he was going to be the lead running back for the Texans. I think he ended up being like a fourth round pick or something like that. And he was a league winner. You absolutely had to have Arian Foster that season. And not that I'm not calling Daryl Henderson, Arian Foster, but I, I would not be surprised if we're sitting there in week 12 and we're like, shit, we should have just been taking this dude at the tail end of the first round. Yeah. I mean, I could definitely see that. And I guess I'm, I'm struggling a little bit just because it's like you are in the main event competing against teams that got Daryl Henderson in the 10th round. Me and Pete Overzet got Daryl Henderson in the 10th round. Oh, so. wow. Wow. <laughs> so Look at this guy. <laughs> if, only, if only there was some sort of strategy that really embraced the fragility of the running back position and emphasized how much those guys bust or get hurt. Someone should invent that and name it something non-controversial. <laughs> and put it on a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so like, we actually like didn't occasionally... go to a running back in, in that draft we took gibson at the 111 um but then henderson was our next running back drafted it at round 10 yeah and i was looking another I was... Main event where we grabbed them too so we're in we're two for two in main events with henderson luckily i was looking at my scott fishbowl team and i took pollard over henderson which like what you know whatever i mean i feel i feel fine about that because i mean this is if Ezekiel Elliott tore his Achilles, the Cowboys go to training camp on Thursday. If Ezekiel Elliott tears his Achilles, t- Tony Pollard is literally going in the first round. Like I just, yeah. it's just, it's going to happen. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, because yeah, he would just profile as, and also I don't think they would feel like the need as much to add a veteran. Like they would add, they would, they, I'm not even kidding you. They'd go add Alfred Morris. They'd go find him yeah, and they'd add yeah, him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that'd they'd be the guy. Him. <laughs> it's been a long time it's been a long time since anyone's seen him (laughs) so they'd go they'd go and find him yeah um well i but i also think with the main event like 
the the ADP is a little bit like so suboptimal that I'm more I'm more open to still continuing to draft Henderson depending on where he falls. Well, it's a different value calc. There's more money to be made in win, like winning your own league, winning total points right. in your league. Like there are more ways to make money than than. Right. Ju- like we would love to win the main event and getting first, but like also it's nice to just know that you can make money winning your league, which, you know, I've never won the main event, but I have never lost money in it because the 12 team leagues are, well, they're pretty soft relative to what <laughs> underdog ADP has gotten to be. Yeah. So this is kind of an interesting conversation that I've been, I've been kind of like thinking through this, or I guess it's maybe something I should have put together earlier, but like when you compare underdog, the, the puppy ADP where we saw it get very efficient with wide receivers. And really the only move you had at that point with the puppy ADP was to go zero running back. Like it was sort of forcing your hand that once the ADP got efficient and running backs were just sort of freely available in like round nine, 10, 11, you could, you could pick up really strong kind of dart throws in like round 14, 15 range. It was just basically after like round nine, the easiest pick every round was a running back. So then it it kind of almost forced your hand to start drafting the wide receivers in rounds one and two. I mean, you could still do one elite running back and stuff, but I was, I was doing a lot more zero running back in the puppy because that was sort of the one pivot left of like, I can still be stronger than everyone else at the highest scoring position if I go full zero running back. And then when I look at the FFPC, it's like people just draft running backs constantly. They never stop. They take three run. Like I'm looking at our, our draft here, four running backs to start, come back, grab one in the 11th, come back, grab one in the 14th. Like it's just so common that you just, or, or three running backs to start, including Caffrey, back-to-back running backs in eight, nine. Like people don't stop drafting running backs. There's no real value. And so this kind of realization I've been having is like the more optimized the ADP gets, the more powerful zero running back is. Uh, and I guess until everyone starts doing it, but I don't anticipate that ever happening. So it's actually like you can get, you can get away with going like one running back to start two running backs to start in a world where very, very few or no people are doing zero running back. Once people start valuing the wide receivers really really highly in the range where they have the most upside that's almost your last pivot so i i tend to agree with that sentiment until you start thinking about okay who are the players who really have access to the you had to have them seasons right and it's alvin kamara saquon barkley and like you know barkley with injury stuff yada yada no he still Um, has access to it he I'm still has still, access still to it, but I'm a little bit less jazzed about taking him because I sure. do think I do think they are I think it's legit that he is gonna be eased in a little bit at the beginning of the season. Um, you know, Austin Eckler, uh got guys like that. So I I well I, I and maybe this just means I'm a coward, but I was still taking a lot of I because I I'm all in on the dead zone, right? Like I'm DeAndre Swift, like I just sorry, dude. Miles Sanders, you know. Yeah, go, Miles go Sanders with, is go with God, Miles Sanders, but like, 0%. so kind of what I ended up doing in the puppy and what I'm now doing on drafters, which um, is just everyone who was drafting in the puppy is just now drafting on drafters. Like everyone in the ship chasing discord, like I'll just wake up in the morning and be like, all right, 
Let's just go do it. Let's get it done, guys. I, I posted in there this morning, Brandon Cook's first pick of the seventh round. Like that's where that's where we've gotten. Oh my god! But so what? I, what I've been doing is starting with sometimes one running back, sometimes two, and then literally taking wide receivers for the next six or seven rounds, and yeah. then like, yeah. and then you know, Rojo, Pollard, Naheem Hines, um, Daryl Henderson. Before this, like guys, guys like that, and just and taking like five of them sometimes, or or maybe even sometimes six of them just to get like, and, and those are 20 rounds. So you, you know, you can add in like a Daryl Williams or whatever at the end for free, but like it basically, it just, it made every draft feel bad. Like every, every, like for, for the longest time, best ball drafts, you'd be like, great. I got my, my two running backs who I expect to score points. And then some other guys who were just trying to run hot. And then I love every wide receiver, but that was gone. Like that is just completely gone. Like loving the price you get on every wide receiver is done that 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 era has passed us it has passed and that's kind of why i'm saying i think zero running back is the pivot in that environment like you don't have to you don't have to do zero running back in an environment where you can just kind of keep getting wide receiver values these big upside plays through rounds you know seven eight nine but you know on in the puppy you were seeing like odell beckham was going in like early round five you know and like all the guys that we wanted to have, you know, the big upside swings on, they're basically all going in round three and four, and then they're gone. And at wide receiver, I mean, and you only get one third and fourth round pick. So if you want, you know, two more guys with that kind of ceiling, those guys are, are available in round one and two. So I, I honestly like hope this calms down once August hits. Like I yes. hope, I hope there's some new blood that thinks we're idiots and we've just been drafting too much and we've lost our way and they come in and just hammer running backs for the rest of the summer. But, you know, I think zero running back really could be like the best ball pivot in an environment where that doesn't happen. Um, and my God, if everyone agrees with me and starts doing it, like I, I don't know where, where do we go from there? Like, I don't want to live in a world where, well, that's the thing drafting actually in it using zero running back. Yeah, drafting <laughs> in an efficient market is not fun. The reason why no. best ball has been so fun for so long is because teams were starting Joe Mixon, Josh Jacobs at the turn, you know? Right. Yeah. Why are we telling people about this stuff, Davis? What are we doing? I don't know. I didn't I didn't realize that. I, I honestly, a lot of what's happening is just that the total number of people who were trying to jam entries in the puppy was like a small list of guys, and they all listened to ship chasing, and they all listened to you know, this show to ETR, like it was, it's not like, yeah. Like if, if, for example, the ESPN show fantasy focus, um, you know, Matthew, Matthew Barry field Yates, Mike clay, if those guys do like a promotional deal with underdog and they're like, all right, let's get into the best ball mania. Everyone, those drafters are going to be like, I'm not taking fucking Devonte Parker in the eighth round. Like they're just, it's just, they're going to be 80. We, we will see, the shift. Cause like I did some of these puppy drafts with like my buddies, like, you know, just my, my normal friends in life and they'd still be taking Swift and Dobbins and Jacobs and Montgomery and those guys, like they weren't, they weren't taking, yeah. you know, Rob, Robert Woods at the three, eight. Yeah. I made this point too, with, uh, on chip chasing, it's like, if you have a couple people kind of in and out of a draft, like if you take kind of two, 
normies and replace them with hardcore ideological drafters, that shifts the draft room a lot. That's all. That's all it takes. Yeah, that's all it takes. Yeah. So let's get some more normies in here and thin out these ideological drafters. I also, I also think that five dollar price point was just like everyone was basically like, yeah. I'll max it. Yes, it's like it's like it's like who cares? Like I, I'll, I'll, I, you know, if I lose money on these like whatever i didn't lose that much like max entering the puppy was 750 bucks and i didn't even get close because I, I, I got 13 drafts in because i was on vacation and i was like oh once i get back from vacation i'll start and then i realized like i'm gonna get like three of these in and i it, there was a day there's an afternoon where i was like hanging out in this cabin like my sister was like coming by trying to talk and i was i literally had my computer up and i was swiping back and forth on my mac like the different desktops doing two puppy drafts and then as soon as one would end i would just start another one so i constantly had had two going dude it was it's a lot of fun it's way easier on your phone not to do two i did i was doing three at a time on my phone but you have to go out of the draft yeah you just have to have your system yeah i never had that system i, well, I did I did a DraftKings draft and a puppy draft at the same time where I was kind of swiping that's too, back That's too much. The DraftKings app, app thought so too because it crashed twice <laughs> while I was doing this. Yeah, that is, uh, that's way too much. Um, you know, on the, the draft app, you, it used to have like a bar at the top and it'd be like, oh, you know, you're 10 picks away in this draft, mm. you're eight picks away. So you could, you could kind of like toggle back and forth a little bit easier. They have not ported that function out. I don't think they were ready for people to be doing that. So they have not ported that functionality over yet. I, I would imagine that will probably be coming. They will say, it does say like three picks away, but I don't think there's the bar. Yeah, it's, it's you can't you can't switch when you're in the draft. You have to go back out. Right, that's right, that's right. Yeah, who is your who is your highest exposure player right now? I think it's Jacoby Myers. I can't stop I can't, I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't hate it. I don't hate it, but like, so in a, in a weird way, because it became such an arms race for wide receivers, I like stopped drafting wide receivers in that range. Like rounds, like what en what ended up becoming like rounds twelve through fifteen, is I would be done. I'd be taking quarterbacks, running backs, and tight ends there. So what I was doing, basically, whatever build I've been doing, I can always take a pit stop for Myers, kind of in that like twelve, thirteen, fourteen range. And I often find that I won another wide receiver. And the arms race for wide receiver left me feeling like I was always a little bit too weak at wide receiver. And Myers, like, he's going in a range where he feels like the best value by, like, two rounds. Yeah. So I just – when he falls to me, I feel like it's a smash. I, I honestly don't mind, like, reaching for him by, by two rounds. Like, because he just feels – and now it's to the point where I have such high exposure that I'm not doing that anymore, but that was the, that that's why I have. I, I, I think he should be going where Nelson Aguilar goes. Like I, I, yeah. I have taken Nelson Aguilar zero times through however many drafts I've done just feels completely unnecessary. I completely agree. I mean, Jacoby Myers has been very efficient in this offense with this quarterback. And he was actually pretty good as a rookie too. And Aguilar is you know changing teams he's kind of the classic guy to avoid changing teams like he's coming off his career year unexpectedly he's had issues with drops he's been inconsistent his entire career like I don't know like is, is there an easier guy to just be like eh like show show me again Nelson <laughs> maybe maybe in 2022 like I 
I'm not, I'm not interested. I, then, I literally don't think there's anything he could do that would make me draft him. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you mean even I, next year? Yeah. It's like, what, what I would just be like, Oh, he's Nelson Aguilar. He sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Like he could, he could have like 1100 yards and nine touchdowns. And I'd be like, all right. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think in, I think in Keel Harry's finally going to get there though. Dude, I hope he gets traded. I, I'm, I'm on team Nikhil here. Yeah. Uh, they, they're like, who decided Nikhil Harry was a yards after catch guy when on like wide receiver screens. Like <laughs> I'm pretty sure that wasn't Nikhil's idea, you know, like that's not going to work. This is he's a put him with Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's a slow downfield target. It's perfect. Anyway. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that's true. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like I, I do not have the answers on what to do with best ball ADP as it stands right now. Like, I feel like a lot of these drafts are probably like, I, I still am enjoying doing them. And I drafted a team today that I actually really liked, but it is not taking a running. I took two running backs in the first 10 rounds and everyone else was wide receivers, quarterbacks, or tight ends. Yeah, I drafted a team last night that I really liked um, from the 101, so you're going to generally like those teams. But I went McCaffrey, and then I got A.J. Dillon. I'm pretty sure I passed on Daryl Henderson, which things pretty bad. But uh, then I got Drake, Darrington Evans, and, and Javion Hawkins, uh, those five running backs and the only guys. And I guess because you guys are all over on drafters, I was able to get – AJ Brown, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Debo, Boyd, Hardman, Terrace Marshall. I feel pretty good about this team. It's like the well, first I, team that I, I've actually liked in a long time on, on Underdog. The reason why I'm doing the drafter stuff right now is like if I just don't moderate myself, I'm going to be so deep in best ball mania entries. But like you just like, you don't even, because you're just doing it 25 bucks at a time. And then I wake up on August 13th and I'm uh, $1,200 deep on best ball entries. And I'm like, Shit, did not intend to do that. Did not mean, <laughs> did not mean to get that deep that early. Yeah, I, I need the puppy too to to come out so we can just start firing indiscriminately again. I I, God, I really hope they make it bigger. I I have a bad feeling that they're not that it's going to be similarly sized because they you know they want the BBM to fill. Um, but man, I just I would love a you know two hundred thousand entry five dollar you know with like crazy money up top or whatever now do you think the big dog which is a 250 dollar tournament which does not appear to have more than two leagues filled based on this tiny little green bar yeah is that just a please fill the best ball mania already uh <laughs> tournament i I'm, I'm having a hard time i i i think it's probably i think it's to get whales in on the site right it's to get the guys who are like Best ball stupid. Why would I do that? Your hourly's terrible. In on that. Mm-hmm. And, but then you get, you know, you get your your high roller action in on the 250 entry, basically. I guess that makes sense. I just it's like I don't have much enthusiasm for that. I have a price point. And I've also been, I want to do more of these FFPC ones because I, I like that. I think it's an interesting format. Um, their best ball tournament, but at the $110 price point, like I want to be able to fire these and both those price points feel a little, you know, they're, they're not good, but maybe they're really soft. I mean, I know the FFPC ones are. Yeah. The, I mean, if I was going to be doing higher entry ones, I would want to do it where, you know, people are, I don't know, probably still drafting off of fantasy football magazines on the FFPC. 
I don't mean to be so derogatory of the FFPC drafters, but I absolutely do. Yeah. Also, the NBC Draft Guide is now available in stores, and it's quite good. So I honestly, I joke. I joke, but I buy a fantasy football magazine every year. Yeah, there you go. You just got to do it, bro. You got to you got to support. But I mean the the differences between FFPC ADP, like just last five days in the Football Guys Players Championship and best ball ADP like it it is unreal like Robbie Anderson 77th overall on average he's like routinely going with like the last pick of the fifth round in best ball Mm -hmm. yeah I mean this is kind of the the point I was making earlier like and Pete and I have talked about this on ship chasing a, a bunch but when you have people drafting running backs the way they do in FFPC if you go zero running back it's a little bit tough to execute the way you'd really like to, because let's say you take your first running back in like, you know, round nine in round nine, where we were sitting, we did the second main event, AJ Dillon's already gone. Tony Pollard's already gone. Like Leonard Fournette, Zach Moss, Melvin Gordon. Exactly. Like the, the, it's, it's the inverse problem. It's like, you can still take, you know, McCall Hardman and Michael Pittman Jr. and all those guys, but you don't have access to any of your favorite zero RB guys. Right. So it's like you end up in this situation where you are truly punting running back, which I think is okay to do. I mean, uh, Sean and, and Blair finished like 35th in the main event last year with J.D. McKissick and stuff at running back. Like they completely punted through 10 or 11 rounds and they did great. So it's not to say that you can't do that, but it certainly feels a lot less comfortable than you'd like. And on the other hand, you can do something that makes you feel a little bit more comfortable. It's definitely more suboptimal, but maybe it's maybe ultimately it kind of like comes out in the wash because you're going to be getting so much wide receiver value later. Like we took Antonio Gibson at the 111, then we got George Kittle on the wrap. That's definitely Gibson, I think, is suboptimal at the 111. But when, you know, after that, you can get Amari Cooper, Mike Evans, Brandon Ayuk, Chase Claypool, LaVisca Chenault, Will Fuller, Elijah Moore, and Rashad Bateman. Um, and do something a little suboptimal because you're, you're not like, I, I'm not taking Michael Carter in the, at the six. In order to get Michael Carter, we had, would have had to take him over Chase Claypool. You know, like. Yeah, and you just, you can't be doing that, which is why. I have, I have long been, I mean, we always joke when I do a draft with you and Pete that I'm like, I'm the guy taking running backs. Like I'm the guy who's like, okay, maybe let's take Clyde Edwards Alaire here. <laughs> right. Which is even funnier because then when I do a draft with Drew and Leone, then we're like, Oh, Leone, you're the running back guy. You're the guy like you, who, whoever is the closest to like normal fantasy drafting and non ideological in one of these drafts becomes like the butt of the jokes. Like, Oh, you're the guy who wants to advocate for the running back. Cause taking running backs is so passe. I'm pretty sure Leone's playing a big practical joke on us because he did the pros versus Joe's uh, recently and just like had an awesome draft, loved his draft, but he, he structured it so smartly and then also took Mike Davis. So like now we all have to be like, great draft, Leo. <laughs> like, great, great draft. We have to Mike... compliment his Mike Davis draft. So funny. Okay. Funniest, sharp move. funniest thing ever. Leone posts his exposures the other day. They're all very good. Well calculated. Lots of really good players. But he has like 22% AJ Green. 
And he's like, I know, he's like, he's like, I know I'm going to post this and everyone's just going to shit on me for taking the old wide receiver because like, that's who Michael is. And it's like, actually, after having that conversation with him, I'm like, I should probably start taking a little bit of AJ Green. I dead ass 100% did not realize that AJ Green played in every game last year. I would have sworn to you up and down. He played a maximum of 11 games. I would have been like, no way that dude was hurt. He, he caught I, yeah. he caught less than 50% of his targets. I mean, he's bad. He's bad now. He's struggled through injury. He's old. He's going he's going to a team that really valued Larry Fitzgerald until he like switched sports and became a basketball owner. Like wh- I don't know. I can't get on board with AJ Green. Well, the the thing that the thing that Mike told me that swayed me was that Cliff was talking about his wide receiver grouping the other day and didn't even mention Christian Kirk. Like, like didn't say his name. Yeah. But there's no doubt that AJ Green's going to be on the outside. He will be on the outside, but you know, Demir but Bird I was took kind a lot of, of snaps was, two years ago on the outside. Like I'm and Demir, Bird, Demir Bird was a good 18th round pick. Well, I mean, I guess in principle, but he didn't pay off. Yeah, I mean, okay. How what, the part what, of the what, show where we where we furiously Google Demir yeah, Bird's win rate? Now I now I <laughs> well no now I gotta go see. Yeah, I mean Demir Bird had one touchdown and thirty two yeah. receptions. Yeah, they were, I'd take I'd take the over on those numbers for AJ Green. I think probably six hundred yards and four touchdowns. Well, I guess Keyshawn Johnson was kind of holding down that role actually, not not so much Bird, but. I mean, it's I just know, disgusting that it's just disgusting. But I mean, these are again because wide receiver ADP has gotten so out of control. AJ Green is not even like a late round flyer anymore. He's like round fourteen. Oh God, this is why this is why I have so much Jacoby Myers because that's like kind of where he is. It's like you can take AJ Green or a guy who might actually be pretty good. Like he's shown well through two seasons. And anyway. like and like eighteenth round wide receivers, it's gone from being like, oh, Demarcus Robinson to like Cornell Powell. Like Demarcus Robinson's like round fifteen. If you want him, you gotta take him there. Yeah. I'm not I don't you you got me higher on Miko Hardman after our a chief in every draft discussion, but I still have a hard time drafting Robinson and Pringle. Like they they both have had so much opportunity and just have never done anything. Um, I mean, Pringle, Pringle, I can see like not even making the team. Like it's just weird. Like 28 year old literally has like never done anything on the field was like a special teams player at K-State. But I I mean, Demarcus Robinson is going to be out there. He's going to be out there. You're right. Yeah. Honestly, it makes me a little higher on Tyreek Hill. Like I've been thinking through him, like what if he has 30% of the targets this year? Or what if Clyde Edwards Hilaire gets 15% like Dalvin Cook target share? Yeah. I, and I agree. I think, I think Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, like he's, I think if you just look at the guy, like this article I wrote about, you know, wanting legendary upside, the, the, the type of season where like the season is like named after you think of that guy, Todd Gurley, 2017 type of season. Clyde Edwards, Hilaire can be that guy. He can be next year's one Oh two pretty easily. Yeah. I think. Um, I mean, depending on what happens with McCaffrey, I wouldn't be insane if he was next year's one-on-one. He's on the Chiefs, and he catches passes, and he was used at the goal line pretty heavily. Like if he, and we've seen guys like Le'Veon Bell emerge in their second year. I, I think the, the upside comp for him is Matt Forte. You mm. know, Forte played on a lot of those bad Bears teams. 
he ran really bad on touchdowns. And then just two years, he randomly spiked 12 and then 10 touchdowns while catching a combined 190 passes those two seasons. And it, it was out of nowhere. It was his age 28 and age 29 seasons. And it's like Matt Forte was good, but no one is like, no one's telling their kids about Matt Forte, right? Like no, yeah. like Matt Forte is not a hall of famer. I, I don't even think bears fans, like he never had more than uh, 4.9 yards per carry was his best. He had more seasons under four yards per carry than over, but he was a running back one multiple times in fantasy because they just gave him the ball and he played on it. I guess the teams were okay. He was like those Cutler years. Yeah. Or, or kind of like a Ray Rice emergence year two. That's Ray Rice actually is maybe even a better comp because they're short, not that fast, but really good at catching the ball. Yeah. Really good. And, and chunk plays, you're not going to have huge breakaway runs, but kind of consistent gains and a lot of receptions and touchdowns. Like, so, so I actually really, I'm starting to come around. Like I don't have enough CH exposure because I just, it's like, I'm not as hyped on him as I am on Gibson. So I'm not willing to take him in that kind of like early. Buddy, let me, range. let me tell, let me tell you a secret. You can just take both of them. So what are you taking Gibson? What, what are you like on the one, two turn? How are you getting both of them? I mean, every once in a while, because of how crazy the wide receiver stuff went, if you went from pick six, you could go whoever you want at pick six, Antonio Gibson at, 18 six in the third which i probably by the time this is out i think adp is gonna i think adp is gonna start to normalize a little bit especially in best ball mania where it's a it's a little bit more serious like and i don't think people are ideologically drafting as much but i know for a fact i've done gibson at 10 clyde Edwards hilaire at 14 or 15 a couple times CH at 306 makes me regret going on vacation because that's that's pretty nice. I, I would say I would say that probably happened twice. Like okay. I, I I think I drafted 36 teams and I bet I was only able to get CH in the third twice. Cause he is he is a strong enough of a bet, I think, to where you can basically use him as a single elite running back build, but you're getting him in the third round. Like that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I like, and again, I think that is very rare. I would not count on that as a building strategy. Right. The, I, I, I think that CH has a big potential to be a preseason riser though. Like, you know, we talk about these guys who get a couple good training camp reports and I, they, they did not sign a dusty veteran. I mean, they did, they signed McKinnon, but that's not, he's not like a threat to CH's touches. Like it's not like McCoy's there. It's not like Le'Veon Bell is there. I mean, God forbid they sign Todd Gurley or something like that. Then we're like, that's real misery. But I don't, I don't think they will. I think that. I don't think they I mean, will either. They are capped out. <laughs> they got no picks. They got no cap. They like they Ch has to be good. They spent a freaking first round pick on him. He has to be good. The other thing is that because he has to be good, they're probably just logically going to give him a ton of the reps with with the ones because yes. they need him to be good. They're, they're not they're, wasting practice time on Daryl Williams this year. No. And, and therefore we will be getting blurbs. Daryl or uh, Clyde Edwards, Lair getting all the reps with the ones like that seems pretty likely. That seems Cl more likely than not. You, you, you should pre-write the Clyde Edwards, Hilaire sees five targets from Patrick Mahomes on one drive in training camp blurb right now. <laughs> should I start charting? Remember when the Patriots, 
Beat writers oh my were charting God. the receptions to Damian Harris. But it Harris. was actually, but it was, uh, it wasn't even Damian Harris. It was Jacoby Myers that we learned about from those blurbs. Remember that's Jacoby true. Myers led them in targets in, in training camp. And everyone's like, well, that's, that's weird. Jacoby Myers isn't going to play. We learned about Jacoby Myers from those blurbs and everyone was taking the wrong lesson from it. Yeah. Yeah. Because the lesson seemed to be Damian Harris is going to catch passes, which did not happen. But Jacoby Myers did play a lot. Yeah, which is cr- and, that's crazy. And he's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I think he is. Um, I I don't think I actually don't think we've done a show since James White became a cultural warfare touching stone. Where what what uh, what side of the of the uh, the James White argument do you land on? So what what is the James White argument? Because like to me, I, I this is one of those ones that I'm just like happy that I I sort of sat out or or sort of passed me by. I was half paying attention, but like we took James White at the 1402 in the main event. I'm quite happy with that. I think it's great. Uh, we took him in a build where we had Antonio Gibson, then Henderson, and then White was our third running back in the 14th round. So sort of a perfect, he fits in perfectly. Like he's going to have some touches. Henderson, we were drafting with the expectation that we would not be able to play him for a long time. So White was just going to start in fill in some RB two weeks for us while we figured something else out. Uh, so in that sense, I'm very in on him. I think he's nice and cheap. Uh, what is the controversy here? So what I disagreed with on what Bime four was saying and what others said, he's not the only one who's made this point is that James White has like no upside that like his max is being like a Jalen Richard. Like he gives you 11 points every once in a while. And the reason why I don't think that's true and Jack Miller helped me make this point, which I didn't even realize. The Patriots in Cam Newton starts average 24 and a half passing attempts per game. And that includes that crazy Seattle game where he threw like 46 times or whatever. So kind of the, the thinking is pretty simple. Mac Jones takes over sooner rather than later. James White is the only passing down back on that roster. I mean, maybe Ramondre gets in there. I would not expect Ramondre to be in there like week six. I I think if Ramondre becomes a guy, it's going to be week 12, right? A guy to really help you with hammer weeks in the playoffs or whatever. Damian Harris is not playing passing downs, right? That's not happening. Um, You know, Rex Burkhead, not on the team. If Sony Michelle is even on the team, he's not going to play passing downs. I mean, at all. James White, what I said, the most recent thing I said to Eric was, James White is the cheapest running back who has like a total monopoly on passing downs in drafts. I mean, maybe Giovanni Bernard, but I, I think they might play Fournette some on passing downs, but White will play all the passing downs. And if camp, if, you know, Mac Jones takes over in week five, I mean, James White can have a good receiving season, but the Patriots have also always used running backs as receivers in the red zone. Burkhead had that role. White had that crazy season. And I think their wide receivers are similarly as bad as James White's breakout season, right? And Keel Harry, Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne. Like, we both kind of like Myers. But Myers is – like, Julian Edelman was on that team, and Myers is not yeah. even as good as Julian I like Edelman. Myers because I think he's a competent wide receiver on a roster with maybe no competent wide receivers other than him. And then the, the counter to that point would be Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith. But like, I don't know how many targets do those guys really earn? Like those are, those are both guys who have, I mean, both of them have, I guess Hunter Henry way has not met expectations as a pro and John who has had glimpses, but has mostly been fine. Like, I don't know. I just see, I see a path to like 
eight random touchdowns for James White, especially because, and Gretch makes this point a lot, uh, passing that pass catching backs are actually more volatile, but in a good way. Like their spike weeks are real spike weeks. Yeah, I mean, I think with with James White, and I also like Geo, but those guys are cheap, and it's not like Rashard. Like Rashard was, first of all, part of a of a two passing pass catching back committee, right? Because he was always with like Devonta Booker. Like there was always a three man rotation in Oakland or you know wherever. Um, so I think that White's likely lock on passing game duties, at least for most of the year, is a differentiator. Uh, and the Mac Jones point, I think, is the key one. Mac Jones would really change this offense. I, I think, mean, they'd, they'd throw 30% more than they did last year. Yeah, because they're – they. I mean, so much of what they're doing is just like running cam and just trying to like slow the game down. I think that it would probably be a fairly slow pace, low volume offense, but instead of like those cam runs and stuff um, and probably some handoffs as well would be converted to dump off passes. Um, cam, cam last year had games of 10 pass attempts, 15 pass attempts, 16, 17, 18, and 19 twice. Like these are like Kendall Hinton games. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't get that from Jones. And I think Jones can start, pretty quickly yeah i mean and now if cam looks amazing to start the year because covid wrecked him last year and his shoulder hurt or whatever which i I, no one is no one is giving this as a possibility like it's a little bit of a possibility i think like a small one um but i don't uh, know that i don't know that you come back from the shoulder issues that he's yeah he's he's been pretty brutal he's been pretty brutal i just love cam you know how it is no i i hope that we're wrong i i think it would be fun if cam you know, could consistently throw the ball again, but but this is this is the he's first thirty two years old and he's really struggled with shoulder issues. I mean, the Patriots traded up for Mac Jones, right? I believe so. Yeah, but I mean, it's the first time they've spent a first no, round. No, they didn't. Pick. They didn't trade it. They just sat there and took him. Is this the first time Belichick has ever spent a first round pick on a quarterback? Huh? Jimmy was a second, right? Yeah, he wasn't a first round pick. I think I love, that might be the case. I love when we Google stuff on the show. This is the best. Because <laughs> Bledsoe, he inherited, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, so these are the quarterbacks that he has taken in his career. Mac Jones in the first round. Jared Stidham, 133. Danny Etling that they converted to wide receiver. Seventh round. Jacoby Brissett, third round. Jimmy Garoppolo, second round. Ryan Mallett third round another seventh rounder another third rounder who i don't even remember matt castle in the seventh round cliff kingsbury in the sixth round funnily enough oh my god yeah he is never this this is far and away the highest he's ever drafted a quarterback which i mean obviously you have tom brady you're not spending a first round pick on a quarterback but right with that in mind it is pretty impressive how many quarterbacks they've kind of given to the rest of the league garoppolo Hoyer, percent Castle. Castle. Oh God. The Castle Chiefs. That must have been tough. The the Castle. Well, I wasn't I wasn't a Chiefs fan then. I'm uh I am uh I am a Patrick Mahomes fan. When Patrick okay. if Patrick Mahomes gets traded or leaves, I will go with him. They they they, they <laughs> I, I feel no allegiance towards them. Okay. All right. 
I mean, the 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 first round pick thing, I like, I don't know. That I think especially with the time that Belichick feels he has left as a head coach, I, mm-hmm. I, I do I do think we're seeing Mac Jones sooner rather than later. I agree. And I think it could be a big difference for James White. I also think it could be a big difference for Damian Harris. I mean, that's how you get touchdown upside. Uh, now I don't know I, if they're going to be I can't take Damian. I can't take Damian Harris. He's got to be one of my lowest exposure either. players. Yeah, I haven't been taking him either because you just don't have much upside with him compared to some of the other guys. I mean, like compared to AJ Dillon, for example. I'd like AJ AJ Dillon. Dillon could be the guy you need. Yeah, he could be. It's so I, hard I, for me to imagine Harris being that guy. I was off of AJ Dillon for a while, and then you guys had again another good conversation on ship chasing, and I was like. Dude, he totally could be the guy. Like, why Why could he not be the guy? Especially, so really, it's a pretty simple parlay. It's Rodgers is the Packers quarterback. Aaron Jones gets hurt. Or not even Aaron Jones gets hurt, but Aaron Jones is more in, like, the playmaker, jet mm-hmm. sweep, uh, you know, swing pass role, and A.J. Dillon is the bruiser. Like, kind of like Aaron Jones slots into Jamal Williams' role, but, like, a more beefed-up version of that. And then A.J. Dillon goes into Aaron Jones' old role. Yeah, and- the other thing is that AJ Dillon might be really good. Like he See, looked really good. You've seen those quads, bro? <laughs> yeah, I, I have. <laughs> that has changed the way I draft. <laughs> Not even kidding. I moved him up my draft rankings last year when that quad picture came out. <laughs> oh my God. Well, it actually was a smart move. Um, no, but I think like AJ Dillon, I mean, Gretsch has really sold me on AJ Dillon. Just like I was already interested, but he's made me excited about him because. He's just made the key point, which is that he probably has standalone value. He's probably good. He looks good. He has, he was very productive. He's very athletic. He's big. The team that he's on thinks he's good. They just spent a second round pick on him. They would, it's a little bit similar to Clyde Edwards, where they're probably going to justify the pick to some extent. And now the offense overall might be good with Rogers likely to play there. It seems like so he doesn't even need the injury. And then if you were to get an Aaron Jones injury, I mean, you want to talk about who's a first round pick. Yeah. If someone goes down. Well, nah, because he's, I, I don't buy that AJ Dillon will catch very many passes. Like I think, I think he falls. I don't even want to say this, but I do think he falls in like the 2020 Josh Jacobs zone where it's like, he looked really good as a runner scores like nine touchdowns and he's a huge win rate player. Cause you just took him in the 10th round but then he becomes overvalued the next season. Yeah, but Josh Jacobs was like the 112 in 2020. So that's that's kind of my point. I mean, he, but, probably, but he probably would settle we, in the mid-second. But. but we didn't take him there, though. Like, it's, no, it's we so didn't weird. Take him. You're right. Like, you're right. like, you love the guy the first year, and then the next year you're like, ah, sorry, dude, can't, can't do it. Nick Chubb, yeah. Nick Chubb, guy we all loved as a rookie, and then he was dead to us. Of course, yeah, because Nick Chubb, when you took him, he was like in the 10th round. We got him in the main event, I think, in the 10th round. It might have even been more like the 11th. And people were like, explain that to me. Because he's clearly not going to start. And it's like, well, Nick Chubb might be a lot better than Carlos Hyde, as it turns out he was. You know, So just betting on betting on the talent in this range, you're able to. And, that, and that's – I mean, that's ultimately why zero running back's fun, I think. Because when you get past – you take all the best players – who play wide receiver. You don't have to take Ezekiel Elliott, like as if he's the fourth best player in the entire league. And you get to take a guy who's actually really good. And then you get into the range where you want to take running backs and you're taking guys who are 
actually good, but does just don't project for that many touches. Like you can get the Henderson prior to this, you can get the AJ Dillon, you can get if only he would catch passes, Ronald Jones. You can get these guys, maybe a Zach Moss, who we still who still actually might be really good. Tony Dude, Pollard. There, there's so much hidden upside in Zach Moss if they decide to stop using Josh Allen as the goal line back. Yeah. It's like it's like it's like hidden in plain sight. But if they're like, you know, Josh Allen is our entire franchise. If this dude twists his knee diving over the pile, like we're dusted. Mitch Trubisky is our backup. This is the range of guys where I'm like, I don't have enough exposure. Like I feel like I don't have enough Zach Moss exposure. I'm trying to trying to get myself a little bit more Zach Moss exposure because I was buying into the lack of ceiling argument too much because yeah, what if they're just like, this is stupid. We need this guy for the next six years to be, you know, in this general role, but we don't want to just burn it, you know, uh, in, in a three year stretch of just slamming him into the goal line. And Zach Moss actually projects pretty well. as like, a, he's not huge, but what he's like two fifteen or whatever. He's, he's fine for those types of carries. So yeah, that's like this is the range where you're actually taking guys where we can bet on talent. The I think the reason why this, you know, the dead zone and why zero running back works so well is because like you have to take guys that we don't even think are that good. Like Mike Davis here in the main I'm looking at my main event trap board. He went oh man in the I, middle of fourth round. I can no like think Mike see, Davis is good. No, but like I can see getting burnt on Mike Davis. I mean, I'll never take him there, but I can see Mike Davis like burning us in the main. I can't. How is he burning us? I can catches, see us being catches, like catches eighty passes. <laughs> He's not going to catch eighty passes, dude. You want to talk about good running or bad running backs who had good results? Devonta Freeman was never good, and he finished as the number one running back in fantasy football. I guess what? So that's a Shanahan offense. Arthur Smith's running basically a Shanahan offense. They don't have really a wide receiver too but they've got pits if, if they're not yeah, but, but know. who knows but literally who knows like i we can say all we want about him being this generational guy but like literally no one knows yeah okay so the offense is running through dump offs to mike davis i mean devonta this is what devonta freeman did in 15 games in what year was this uh 2015 matt ryan's quarterback uh julio jones has 203 targets 203 targets for julio jones that season devonta freeman in 15 games 265 rushing attempts 10,056 yards 11 rushing touchdowns not 10,000 one yeah sorry 1,056 (laughs) rushing yards it was a real smash four yards per carry 97 targets 73 receptions 578 yards three receiving touchdowns six yards a target 14 total touchdowns, 1,600 total yards, 338 touches. I can't deal with a Mike Davis season like that. I don't, I I think that he'll never get that many rushes. They'll give rushes to whoever, Javian Hawkins, Patterson, Quadre Olson, whoever, but he could see 97 targets. I, he could. How, how are you playing that, that backfield? Like, are you taking Davis? Because I've, I've started taking more stabs on Hawkins. I've taken, I don't know, four or five stabs on Hawkins. I I think that Sigmund Bloom is probably right, and that probably Quadre Olison is is the guy who is going to get some of that, the the work. You know what I mean? I don't 80, 90 carries, something like that, which is what Tevin Coleman got in 2015. 12 games, 87 carries, 406 yards, two receptions. 
I just have a hard time seeing us needing to have drafted Quadrillion. Yeah. I can see it with Hawkins. Like Hawkins, and maybe I'm being unfair to Austin, but he's basically he's more or less kind of been a fullback at the NFL level. Like I mean, when when Gurley got hurt, none of them were any good. The answer of the answer of what happened to Atlanta last season when Todd Gurley got hurt was a disgusting timeshare where no one was any good. Yeah. And Hawkins, like um, I think might actually be good. Like there's there's you know, I don't know that much about him but like uh thor nystrom who does the the college football stuff at nbc he was very much on him um and it seems like you know people are gonna poo poo the you know we just had james robinson he's not gonna be james robinson he's not gonna be james robinson but he could end up he could end up being kind of a tevin coleman type of guy um but like early coleman you know, who's actually explosive. Cause that's what, that's what you're looking for from Hawkins is that he could be really efficient. Um, Cause he's, he's pretty quick. He's a smaller guy, catches a few passes. I find him somewhat intriguing again, though. He is only 183 pounds. I mean, um, I, I, I would make it, I would make it very certain that if Mike Davis gets hurt, it's a disgusting timeshare with like probably three guys playing like probably a couple design touches for Patterson couple goal line touches for Allison, couple between the 20 touches for Hawkins, and it's just gross. Like, it, this I, this is really lining up as spending uh, 129 fab dollars on JV and Hawkins, and he Ty Johnson's us and is worthless. I can definitely see that happening. It's probably the most likely scenario. But Hawkins is, like, he, he was, I believe he's one of the backfield dominator rating guys, the Blairinger's metric. And then he's in this scheme where if you're a small elusive speedy guy that can be very effective you know like he could be Matt Breida because this is a Shanahan style offense this Arthur, that Arthur Smith runs right. so that's that's what that's who we're hoping he is we're hoping he's Matt Breida we're not hoping he's James Robinson um but i don't know i mean i think he has a like a pretty realistic chance of being Matt Breida um and I don't know who does that make. What's a gross comparison? Forty uh, ers running back that I can insult insultingly compare Mike Davis to. <laughs> Jamichael Hasty. Jamichael Hasty. No, I was going for something older than that. Um, but anyway, I'm I'm starting to take stabs on Hawkins, and then I've been trying to think through like what backfields are the most ambiguous. Like what what is the 2020 Dolphins? And what is the 2020 The Jags? Houston Texans? Oh God. They I, don't have they don't have the they have one running back. I mean, David Johnson goes like 120, and then Philip Lindsay's like 180, and then Burkhead and Ingram are completely undrafted. And one of those guys gets cut. I don't know if it's Burkhead, I don't know if it's Ingram, I don't know if it's Lindsay. Yeah, Lindsay, one of them gets cut. Lindsay could be a guy the Rams trade for. Yeah, they they hundred percent could. That would be interesting, actually. But but the Texans' backfield, as ambiguous as it is, I mean, whoever it would be would literally have to play 100% of the snaps. They would have to never sub out to which be is the, any good. Which is the Robinson formula. He just was on, on the field constantly, um, especially when Chris Thompson was down. He, he was playing like 85% of the snaps. It was insane. Uh, I think, to me, there's – so we have Eckler in Los Angeles – 
but behind him is very ambiguous. ambiguous. Yeah. And someone's going to play a decent amount. So that one, I'm, I'm like, I, I probably need more Roundtree exposure because they did draft him. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe he could replace Kelly. I, I don't know. That one, that, that I, I just don't have any conviction there. I have not taken Roundtree. Neither do yet. I. Yeah. Neither do I. But I've been like, I've been trying to think through like, the spots where we don't have conviction, I think are maybe the opportunities, you know? Like we didn't have any conviction on the Dolphins last year and we didn't have any conviction on the Jaguars last year. So the spots where we don't have conviction, well, those guys are free. Well, I, so, we had, I had conviction on the wrong guy to add a fair amount of Brita. Right. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, that, so the one that's similar to the Dolphins, I think in some ways is, uh, is the Jets, right? Where there's yeah, like, I'm definitely not taking Michael Carter. I know you kind of like him, but I am out. I kind of like him on um, on underdog because he's now falling into like the ninth round. I think that's a, a nice mix of just he'll the, have a the, role plus upside. Yeah, he does. But like the, you know, I mean, we try to draft so structurally and so based on historical trends. And like some historical trends, Carter's a big hit, rookie, talented uncertain backfield new quarterback new head coach but then also it's like if you just filter out all of the opinion based stuff and you just go fourth round running backs first year it's like largely bad yeah it is largely bad but then i mean are we smashing tevin coleman and ty johnson then i mean i more tevin coleman and ty johnson than i'm proud of I don't have an. I probably don't have enough Tevin Coleman because I have a very large bag of Ty Johnson. Uh, I, I don't know Ty Johnson. I know we've talked about him before, but it's like I have a hard time not wanting to draft him, and he's not like I. So my thing of like get excited about a new guy every week. That plan has kind yeah. of worked. No, it's such a good plan. It's the best way to draft. I got myself excited about Javion Hawkins. He's like supposed to be my new guy. I'm drafting Javion Hawkins more than I was but I keep coming back to wanting to draft Ty Johnson. I've also tried to get talk myself into Larry Roundtree so that I get some of that Justin Jackson exposure a little bit watered down with some more Roundtree and that's worked. But then I keep wanting to come back and draft Ty Johnson. Cause I just have a hard time. Like it's an ambiguous backfield. You're telling me that, you know, you feel like Michael Carter is overdrafted. I do not believe in Tevin Coleman at this point. I think we've right. seen who he is probably brought in more as like a guy who knows the playbook and they, you know, can fall back if everything else fails type of guy than someone they really want to be giving a ton of touches to. Um, you know, he's getting up there in, in age at this point, he's 28 years old. Like it's not going to get any better for him. Uh, and then with Ty Johnson, he can catch passes. He's 215 pounds. He ran a four, four. He had pretty good jumps. Like, Ty Johnson I, looks like a bunch he's got of times, some juice. But yeah. Yeah. He looks like he's got some juice and the, and the, the scheme is changing. It's, it's changing to a one cut scheme. which is going to emphasize speed. Like this is actually a scheme where we want the running back now. I don't know. I'm going to have too much Ty Johnson this year. So some of the, some of the, so like we think about ambiguous backfields in terms of like no, none going high, but I think there's another way to view ambiguous backfields, which is, is there a clear handcuff, but the handcuff is not being drafted in the Pollard, Rojo, 
Dylan range. And I think there are a couple of those. One that doesn't make any sense is Chubba Hubbard after what we saw Mm -hmm. Mike Davis do last year. Like Hubbard should probably go in the Pollard range. I mean, he should should at least go in the Madison range. Like he, he goes a little bit after Madison. I think Gainwell is similar. Damian Williams. I mean, Damian is like, look, Damian is the handcuff to David Montgomery. It's not, they're never giving yeah. Tarek Cohen more work. Never, ever. Daryl, I think is obvious. I mean, that just, we've covered, we have covered that territory plenty. Um, Malcolm Brown is one. I, I I don't know if Malcolm Brown would be like a true handcuff, but in terms I think of Ahmed like. would have a, a pretty big role. So you, so you prefer Ahmed to Brown? I do, but. I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of open to both, but I do prefer Ahmed. Uh, Ahmed looked good last year. And Brown, Brown does, I feel like I know who Brown is. Brown's not going to just surprise us and be like, oh man, Brown workhorse efficiently, like, you know, ripping off chunk plays. Uh, that's not going to happen. Where, uh, where are you at on, um, I just had this backfield pulled up. Well, I thought oh. you were gonna. I thought you were gonna take us to the Bengals and talk. Yeah, about that's some okay. Here. That is that is what I was at. I, that's what I was just trying to ask you. So, P. Ryan, Evans, Travion, Puka, who who are you? Who do you like? P. Ryan. The way the NFL works is that whoever we're excited about, like two years ago, is now the guy you should kind of quietly draft, and the guy that you want to be excited about in this case, like Chris Evans is not going to be the guy because Chris Evans is going to probably take two years to work into a boring role that we're not going to care about. And I kind of forgot that to draft him. I kind of forgot P Ryan was a starting running back as a rookie. Like I, that just kind of like escaped me. Yeah. Wait, where was he? Washington. Is that this? Oh, you're right. That is that that's, I feel like the LaMichael P. Ryan kind of threw my, I can't remember. But that was like, that was the year, um, that was the year that Chris Thompson scored a bunch of touchdowns. They played Rob Kelly. They played Capri Bibbs. They played Byron yeah. Marshall. Uh, but little known fact about Samaje P. Ryan, he is the owner of the Big 12 single game rushing record. And he did it as a true freshman in 2014, he had 427 yards and five touchdowns against KU. Yeah, and he's he's 25 years old. Like, he's still in his prime. He's been he, – he, I think he basically locked in his, uh, his backup role last year. He played pretty well. Like, I don't know. The NFL, like, generally doesn't want to, like, just kind of see what they have in these guys. Like, if they have a backup running back that they feel pretty good about, they're usually going to just roll with that guy. And – Chris Evans strikes me as like probably a practice squad guy. Maybe he gets in, maybe he has like a little bit of a Tariq Cohen-y type of role where they just use him as a gadget guy. But that, that strikes me as more unlikely than, than I think people think it is. So P Ryan is, is someone that I think it's just, he just makes sense. Like he, he's going to be probably the next man up if Mixon misses time, he's going to be the guy that we probably are talking about playing like $4,000 on DraftKings or whatever. Like P Ryan's that guy, I think not right. It, he's just, he's going to project pretty well. in those starts, you're going to feel comfortable putting him in. He's not gonna be awesome, 
but I, I think it's P Ryan. He'll, he'll catch some passes. He'll do. I mean, he's not going to look amazing, but yeah, you're right. Like we get excited about our fourth round rookie picks of Chris Evans and he, he doesn't play a snap. No, no. And then, I mean, maybe in a few years that, cause that's generally what happens with these things. It's like, yeah, they, the guy... they bounce around a little bit and I, well, and then either like, you know, Ty Johnson, they, they end up finding a role or they just are out of the NFL. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, I feel like there's one, there's one more. I don't know. Uh, Did we miss one? I feel like we missed a cheap handcuff. Well, you mentioned Kenny Gainwell as one. Do you feel that he is? Because I'm worried about Carryon Johnson there, taking a. He's, just, he's gonna. He's a pass blocker, man. He, not for production. I don't want to draft Carryon Johnson. But no, no. I just, you know, I feel like it's kind of like uh, the new regime drafted him. He'll probably look really good in practice. Gainwell will. He, he's not going to have to play right away. Like Gainwell might even be an active week one or whatever. So it'll, it'll like, he, he won't, uh, I don't think he'll ever be forced out there in a situation where he might get Jalen hurts, like blown up. Like, I think by the time Gainwell is on the field, they'll feel confident to put him out there in like whatever situation, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, like, I feel like probably week, like first month of the season will probably be miles Sanders most touches because Gainwell maybe just won't quite be ready yet. But then when Gainwell is ready, I feel like they'll go to him. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I could see that. Um, I could also see Boston Scott getting cut, in which case, you know, they, he's kind of if, their only if, option. If Boston Scott doesn't get cut, this backfield is going to be ridiculous. Well, I mean, it could be uh, Sanders, Gainwell, Johnson, and Scott, Scott and they cut, they cut Howard. They cut Howard. Well, I think Howard is going to get cut for sure. That that feels yeah. like I'm not even projecting Jordan Howard. Yeah. Well, in that case, I mean, you probably have Scott is most likely the game day inactive, but it could be that Gainwell's game day inactive to start the year, depending on how he shows. But that's not – the, the point I'm making is that's not necessarily bad. Like, I don't think Gainwell being game day inactive week one is, like, worst-case scenario. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh Devontae Booker, I think, is the other kind of clear handcuff. Yeah, you got to just take him now. Like, he, he, people were not taking him at all. Now he's going like 18th, 17th round. But yeah, I mean, he is what was Wayne Gallman ever any good? No, but when, when Barkley went out, Gallman was fine. Yeah. And he's the guy that we'd probably actually be interested in because he'd get a, he would, he could he he has get a ton of work. I mean, who yeah, else is even on catch. the Giants depth chart? Uh, I don't know. Let me email Freddie Kitchens and see. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. Uh, so, so they literally have no one. They have Elijah Penny, who's been on the team forever. He's uh-huh. a fullback. Gary Brightwell, who is an undrafted free agent from uh, UNLV, I think. Uh, Corey Clement and Taquan Mizell. These are guys who have been filtering around the bottom of NFL rosters forever. Yeah. These are depth guys. Yeah, he would be an immediate. You know, you wouldn't feel great. He's probably scoring like fourteen points or whatever. Dude, I have hey. a. I, I want to end the podcast with this disgusting note. All right. Kyle Rudolph becoming Kyle Rudolph scores more touchdowns than Evan Ingram. How do you how, try that on for a disgusting Jason Garrett F you? I've been, I, I think on this podcast, I said, he's the new Jason Witten that they had. They tried Evan Ingram in the Jason yep. Witten role. It didn't go well. Garrett took a lot of heat because he's Jason Garrett. He didn't go, huh? Maybe I should use an explosive player explosively and not even have a Jason Witten. Instead, he thought, I know, I'll get a different guy who to be, he can be Jason Witten and will probably reduce Evan Ingram's role. So, yeah, 
he's going to score more touchdowns because he's going to be the new Jason Witt. Disgusting. I hate the New York Giants. I really do. I, they disgust me. They're really gross. They're really gross. And they're, they're, their offensive line, I think, is going to be – it's going to be a bad season for them. Where are you at on Saquon? Let's close on that because Saquon – Okay, let's, let's like... close on this. I was buying the, the theoretical dip on him for a long time. Uh-huh. Like, oh, Saquon at 110 at smash. Yeah. Give it to me. I don't feel bad about that. Like, I'm good having my Saquon teams where I have them. But anytime – a running back, which is clearly the most physically demanding position in the NFL. Like anytime a running back starts to drift into, I don't know if I'm ready territory. Mm-hmm. Like basically my biggest tenant in fantasy football is don't draft guys who are already hurt. It's like yeah. one, that's like something I am very secure on every single year. And so I am, I am backing off. Like, I think I'd take Eckler over him now, which I don't know. That feels so bad though, because Eckler does not have access to you had to have him he just he just doesn't he doesn't, he doesn't. yeah, yeah I, I think i'm still taking barkley uh, like we took him at 111 in the main event um on a different team i mean that's ridiculous like you you just have to you got to take him and if you you don't win you do, like you just live with it yeah that's kind of how i feel like he if he starts slow I mean, Adrian Peterson started slow, and then he won the MVP. I mean, like if it great example, like if McCaffrey was not ready for Week One, right? He's coming back from an injury. McCaffrey's not quite ready. His ADP doesn't shift. You don't feel any different about him at all. Yeah, yeah. And Saquon, I mean, I, I don't. The, I guess the torn ACL. You know, you see it with Gurley. Like tear your ACL, maybe two, three years down the line, you're not the same guy anymore. But I don't think this year it should have that much of an impact like guys are able to come back and rehab from the it looks like to me his rehab has gone pretty well it sounds like just they're being cautious with him like he's not he hasn't had a setback he didn't have like an infection or something you know was that geiss or penny one of those guys who had like a really bad setback that hasn't happened it was geiss i think yeah so you can actually have setbacks with this stuff that is a real red flag that puts his season in jeopardy there's been nothing like that it's just him they're just nursing him along and they don't want to have overly high expectations, but it sounds like by like probably like week three, week four, he might be the old Saquon Barkley. And I think especially in managed leagues, I still want, I I think I'm still in because you can get through week one and two. I mean, that's the easiest time. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I I just, it makes me a little nervous, but I'm still in. I, yeah, I think his theoretical upside is worth him maybe not being great for you the first month of the season because he might be such a hammer in the second half. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That makes All right. feel better. Ship chasing. What do we have going on this week? Who's coming on? Ship chasing. We're still it's TBD on the exact show structure because uh, Pete is not uh, on the show this week. So. Oh. He's on vacation. So uh still still batting around ideas i might come on with you guys all right that'd be, that'd be good maybe, yeah maybe we'll do that okay i i got leone lined up i need oh, gretch's, uh, gretch's no, unsure if you you can't have an appearance no, with I'm leone. Not, no i'm just kidding. i was just saying if you guys truly only have you and gretch i'll, I'll come and save you <laughs> but leone leone with um actually leone and gretch 
is, is a great combination when there's someone else who is an ideological drafter only. Like, I think that'll be a good mix. I don't want to, I don't want to, because you and I would, then it would be you and I versus Gretchen Leone who are much more practical. Um, right. So I think it would be much funnier to just have those guys arguing about like, sometimes you got to take <laughs> Melvin Gordon if he falls with you. Like, I think that'd be much better. Yeah. So that it'll be some version of that. Um, and then Pete will be back next week to, uh, to resume hosting duties. So uh, yeah, we, and we might end up doing a draft. It's all very much up in the air. It's up in the air. All right, everyone follow Pat, uh, read NBC sports edge and listen to ship chasing. We'll be back next week. Rack your look for spring at Nordstrom Rack and save up to 60% on brands you love. Rag & Bone, Vince, Marc Jacobs, Adidas, Joes, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. Score new dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and sunglasses, plus updates for the family and home. Get your spring on for less, up to 60% less, today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.